Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. It's Thursday, and at least where I am in Michigan, we're getting ready for spring break. I think it starts tomorrow in our school district. So hopefully everybody's got big plans, maybe going away. Um, depending on what part of the country or the world you're in, it will obviously depend on what the weather is that you're dealing with. Uh, I'm in Michigan, so... It's still a little, it was cold this morning, man. It was like 22 this morning, but it's supposed to be pushing 50 today. And Hey, spring's here, right? At least it's, it's close right around the corner. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about seeing things green up and flowers come up and everything else. Some of the other shows that I have going, if you haven't checked out Todd's world yet on Spotify, do that. Uh, Todd's world is an original audio fiction podcast, essentially that I'm doing. And, uh, we're doing two stories right now. The first story is insurrection and, uh, we're going to have four, eight week or eight episode seasons throughout the year. We're in the midst of the first season right now. And, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fun story. People have, have really seemed to enjoy it and engage with it. So we drop episodes on Monday and then we have a companion podcast that we do on Wednesdays and that where we delve into that week's episode. And it is a wild story. I'll tell you, I, I think it's great. People I've, I've loved engaging with listeners on it. It really is, it's kind of geared toward more of a, of a conservative, uh, mega type audience, you know, the, the people in the heartland, the red States, not that I, I think it's a great story. And I think that anybody, uh, might enjoy it, you know, blue States, liberals, whatever, but certainly it's geared a little bit more toward the conservative, uh, Trump fans, America first. Uh, because a big part of it is you're seeing the deep state, uh, the, the being attacked essentially by, uh, a secret paramilitary group within the U S, uh, that is engaging in operation last stand. So anyway, it's a lot of fun and it, it is fun just to see the, the government who doesn't care at all what we think about anything and the deep state who seems to be attacking us at, at every opportunity. It's, it's a lot of fun to see them, even though I, I know it's just fiction, but for whatever reason, the, the story, it, it, it feels enough like real life that people have been getting really into it. So, and that just makes me happy, obviously as the author and I, I perform, you know, I, I narrate the shows. So, and then Will, Carrie and Lauren, it's kind of an ensemble podcast on Wednesdays. And we talk about the show and people have told me they like the podcast as much as they do the stories or almost as much anyway. So I, it, the whole thing is just coming together and working out great. And so we're just trying to get the word out, you know, so that people know about it. That's the biggest thing in a, in a world where there's so much noise is just to be able to get people to to listen and give it a chance. So check out Todd's world on Spotify or look up insurrection. Uh, the other story is going to be witness that we're going to do. We're going to alternate seasons. 
And I, I think Witness is just as good of a story. It's a little different. It's not as political, a little bit more kind of apocalyptic. But anyway, I think I really think that that you're going to like it. So check that out. Uh, obviously, I do two shows a week with this. I do a, kind of about a 20, 25-minute show on Tuesdays where we talk about current events. This week we talked about the school shooting in Nashville, uh, which was tragic. School shootings are always tragic. It's one of those things that's just... It's kind of a weird fluke. When I was growing up as a kid, you know, in the eighties and nineties, we didn't really have school shootings. It just wasn't, it wasn't part of our, of our, of what we did, of our experience, but it is now, unfortunately. And I don't know that anything is going to change it. I mean, there's, there's steps we could take. And I talk a little bit about that in the last show, but for the most part, you know, we're dealing with evil and I don't know that we can eradicate it. We certainly can't eradicate it without addressing root causes, which is we've completely thrown out the Bible, completely thrown Jesus out of our experience. And I hope that that's coming back. I hope we're looking at a, a revival of sorts. Um, also, you can find me on Substack, and that would be more writing. I try to drop uh, an article or a piece every week, or certainly every two weeks, but my goal is once a week. And, and then that's a little different too, because that's, you know, writing, you're, you're looking at, you know, maybe like an op-ed style, 800 words or something, not real long, but, but you can delve into things a little deeper and and it's just a little bit different experience than, than the show is. So however you are joining us, uh, I'm glad that you're here today on Thursdays. I try to do, uh, again, more of a kind of a 20, 25 minute show, but I focus more on spiritual matters. And right now, I started last week in Exodus uh, because I'm reading Exodus in my own personal Bible study, and I just love it. It's it's great. So uh, last week we started with Moses uh, in, in in the land of Midian, right before God calls him from the burning bush and sends him back to Egypt to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery. But we talked about how Moses fled Egypt and for 40 years he was living in in the desert of Midian and he got married and had a family there and and he's 80 years old when God finally comes back and and calls him back to Egypt. And we talked about that 40 years and how Moses had to feel like you know like whatever dreams he had in his youth that those had passed him by that maybe maybe if god had done something back then it could have been something but you know after after you're someplace after you're in the desert for 40 years and you're tending sheep and you have a family and everything else probably that starts to feel like home and you think that 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 your life has been played out and so it was called when when god's running late i'm going to go back to exodus 2 i'm reading from the message I prefer the message. I love the message, actually. I think it's a great translation. Uh, but so we're going to go right to the tail end of Exodus 2 today. And it's right after after Moses. He's a sojourner in a foreign country. So, so we're still in that in-between space before chapter 3 where God appears to Moses in the burning bush. And at the tail end of chapter 2, it says, Many years later, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. 
their cries for relief from the hard labor ascended to God. God listened to their groanings. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw what was going on with Israel. God understood. So just that little passage is what I want to talk about today. Because at the same time that Moses is in this this 40 years in the desert where where he's you know he's he's living his life and, and and it's not anything like what he expected it would be as he spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt as a prince of Egypt but knowing he was a Hebrew and feeling this this kinship and this relationship with with the Hebrew slaves that were his, his some of them were his relatives I mean these were his people and then he leaves and and he leaves under a cloud because he murdered an Egyptian slave master and takes off into the desert for 40 years and has to believe. I, I mean, I just can't imagine getting into Moses' head that he didn't feel like uh, like a failure. And like, you know, this is what it is. I failed there, and, you know, life's a young man's game. You don't get second, you don't get a lot of second chances. You certainly don't get a lot of second chances when you're 80. I know people have this idea that people in the in in the Old Testament lived for a long, long time. And in, in Genesis for a little while they did. But Moses ended up living to 120, and that was a long time even then. So they're still, I mean, they might be living to 100, but point is, he's 80. I don't know that, you know, 80 might have been, felt like 70 back then, but it's still like you're not a spring chicken, right? <laughs> You're not, you're not ready to go start a new venture necessarily when you're 80 years old. But during that time that Moses is in the desert waiting for the call of God, he doesn't know he's waiting for the call of God, but he is. Israel, the, the, the children of Israel, which at the time is around 600,000 people, so it's, it's a pretty big subset of the Egyptian nation. God has blessed them and they're prospering and and having kids and and filling the earth kind of what what god called both abraham or both adam and even then after that noah to do like that that's his his call on mankind is to prosper to fill the earth to reproduce you know to manage the earth and and the animals and and the whole thing so but the israelites at this point are under slavery i mean they were when moses was born uh, they've probably been under a uh, hundred years at least of of slavery, essentially in Egypt, and it only got worse as as time went on. But after a hundred years, uh, you know, we said that Moses is in the desert for forty years, and Moses thinks that's his life. If you're an Israelite in Egypt, you don't know anything else except slavery. They didn't know anything. The, the generation that we're dealing with in Egypt didn't know anything except bondage. They didn't, they had no concept of freedom. I mean, they, they, they had a concept because they, they, they understood looking at the Egyptians and whatever that, that they weren't the same, but, but experientially they hadn't experienced anything except bondage and slavery. And so it says, that the Israelites groaned 
under their slavery, and they cried out to God. So they still had enough of a sense of God to believe that he cared about them. Otherwise, why would they be crying out? There wouldn't be any reason, right? But they're, they're, the point is that they're crying out to God, expecting that God is capable and hopefully willing to help them. That already sets him apart from most of the gods of the Egyptians and the Canaanites and the, and the Perizzites and, 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 you know, all these different nations and cultures around them. They, they had made up gods. They had gods of stone, gods, you know, in, in different forms, whatever. They, they would pray to them and offer sacrifices for harvest and, and whatever. I don't know that they expected that they had gods who were active and involved in their lives that they could cry out to. But Israel did. Israel, because God had shown up to Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and and had act was actively involved in their lives. And Jacob Jacob had said to God when he showed up to him when he was first in Bethel, he said, If if you'll see me through this and and bring me back here, I'll serve you. And that's exactly what God did. So they had they had personal experience with God, the patriarchs did. And that that flows down through the centuries. And even though they're in slavery, they still have this sense of a personal God who cares about them, who has who has called them his people, and in some ways has blessed them, yet they're still in slavery. And so the 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 fact that they're grow well, first of all, the fact that they're groaning tells you what kind of they're they're suffering under this um uh, under this slavery, under this bondage, under this hard labor in Egypt. And they cry out to God. And then it gives us four things that God does, four verbs, if we were in grammar class. God is the subject of all four of the ending sentences. And the verb is, what, what does God do? God listened to their groanings. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. With Jacob. God saw what was going on with Israel, and God understood. Now through that, that we're talking about the 40 years in which Moses is gone. He's off the scene. And yet, and so the children of Israel are working as slaves in Egypt, but they're crying out to God. And it starts with God listens to them. Most people don't have a concept of God where he actively is involved in their life, where he's listening to them. But that's what it says. It says that God was listening to their groanings. Like he cared about what they were experiencing and what they were going through. He he not only listened and he not only cared, but he remembered the covenant that he had made with Abraham. When he told Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. All the earth is going to be blessed by your descendants. And, and God had chosen Abraham he chose Isaac. He chose Jacob to create this nation that was going to be a special nation on the earth. And God was going to personally work, be active among this people. So God remembers what he promised to Abraham. And then, 
it says that God saw what was going on. So he not only listened to their groanings, God is actually, he's, he's in the suffering with them, if that makes sense. He's, he's, he's looking at what is going on. He's seen these people get beat down, these people be mistreated. And he's paying attention to what they're going through. And then the, the final word of the, or the final two words, final sentence of Exodus two is God understood in chapter three, God's going to show up, but he hasn't yet in chapter two, the people are suffering and they've been suffering and, and they didn't see it going this way. God had promised them blessing. He had promised that he'd provide for them. He had promised that he'd take care of them. And it didn't look from their perspective like he was doing any of those things. But yet when we see God, so we see the people just crying out and groaning and and just suffering in Egypt. But when we see God, we see God paying attention, God listening to their prayers. We see God remembering what he promised them. We see God actively taking an interest in their suffering, looking at their suffering, experience suffering with them to an extent. It's not like it's going to be when Jesus comes. I mean, that's, that's the personification of God. That's where Christ comes down and Christ suffers for our salvation here. So God, God enters into our suffering. But even before that, even back in Exodus, God is still, from, you know, from a perspective in heaven and control of things, he still is somehow entering into their suffering. And he cares about it. And he understands what they're going through. Part of it is God's outside of time. So when we think, we have a an almost impossible time wrapping our heads around what that even means. What does it mean that God's outside of time? That every single moment that has ever occurred or that will ever occur is, is present to God. Everything is now to God. That's a, that's a weird concept for us as humans stuck in time and space. It's almost impossible for us to comprehend. So what that means is that when God is looking down, when he's listening to the Israelites, when he's looking down at them and experiencing their suffering, when he's understanding what they're going through, at the same, at the same now, God has already incarnated into the form of Jesus. He's already experienced our sufferings. And so the same God that is looking down and is, and is suffering with and understanding the Israelite sufferings has already done that in the human form of Jesus. It's so, so crazy for us to even <laughs> wrap our minds around, but, but what do we take away from this? I mean, I've, I've been through certainly been through times in my life of suffering, periods of suffering, uh, periods of crushing TD Jakes has a book he wrote called crushing that I think is a great book. I, I really like it. I recommend it. But 
God, we go through these periods of, of crushing where God is, is crushing our dreams. Now he has a purpose in it. His purpose is to make us like him. His purpose is blessing, but it's hard to imagine. It's hard from our perspective to see that blessing. It's hard if, if your dad has ALS and you see him or, or, or MS or one of these degenerative diseases and you see, you watch your father over the course of years just go downhill and downhill, his health goes downhill and he, and, and, you know, he's just suffering and suffering and to an extent the family's suffering. It's hard when you're in the midst of that to think that God understands what you're going through. But we know he does. I mean, it's, it's written large all over the New Testament with Jesus. But even in the Old Testament, we see it. Even with the Israelites, God's listening to them. God's active in their situation. He's remembering them. He's, he's, he's looking at them. He's experiencing what they're going through. And he understands their pain. Man, that's powerful. It's powerful to think that it doesn't always, it doesn't always feel that way. When, you're, when, when we're in the midst of the suffering, it's hard to imagine that God understands or that God is listening or that he's experiencing it with us because from our perspective, why wouldn't he change it? We feel like we would change it if we were God. I mean, we would, we would just look down and, you know, I mean, God could snap his fingers and, and change it all in an instant, but he doesn't. Why? I think because we grow through suffering. The path to blessing runs through suffering. The path to deliverance, the path to salvation runs through suffering. And it's a hard road. It's a difficult, I mean, it's suffering. There's a reason that it's called suffering. And, and God puts it all up front. God, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. There's, there's not a question if you, if you decide to follow Christ, whether or not there's going to be a cross in your future, because he tells you at the front end, pick up your cross and follow me. The suffering is up front. The blessing is later on. It follows the suffering. And we're going to see that progression through Exodus. But when we're in the midst of the suffering, and when the day, when the nights feel so long, and the days feel so long, and you look around you and you think, you know, other people aren't suffering like I am. They're not sick all the time. They, they've got more money than I do. They're not struggling with finances constantly. Their kids, at least from our perspective, you know, it seems like their kids are good kids and they get good grades and they aren't, they don't constantly fight and struggle with their kids like I do or whatever it is, whatever all the different sufferings are. Maybe you've been single for a long time and you had believed God that he had somebody out there for you, but it hadn't shown up. There's a, there's a million different ways in which we all suffer, but I think the point of this passage is that God is with you in the suffering. He's right there, even if he doesn't change it right away. Even if he doesn't change it as fast as you feel like he should, or, or maybe you misunderstood a, a promise or an insight he gave you and you thought, no, this is going to be my year. And then this doesn't turn out to be your year. And you're like, God, I thought I'd been through so much. 
But God's still there. He's still listening. He still remembers what his promises were to you. And he's still involved in your suffering. He still understands. We have a loving, active, personal God who enters into our suffering with us, even if he doesn't remove it. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel, where they refused to bow to the statue, and their Nebuchadnezzar wasn't thrown into the fiery furnace. And he doesn't. He doesn't prevent. God doesn't prevent the king from throwing them into the into the fiery furnace or into the fire. But it says that Nebuchadnezzar is looking from the outside, and he sees another that looks like a son of the gods in there walking around with them. God enters into our suffering. He enters into the fire with us, and and he prevents the suffering, he prevents the fire, the trials from consuming us, from destroying us, because he has a purpose that is bigger than the suffering. It's bigger than the trials. And maybe that purpose is just to learn to trust him, to learn to find our contentment and our joy in him, to grow in faith. And we can only do that through the sufferings. And this is the end of chapter 2, but chapter 3 is coming. The deliverance is coming. But even then, it gets worse before it gets better for the Israelites and a lot of times for us. And I think the question is, are you going to continue to trust God through it? When he doesn't show up on time, like we didn't like last week when he, he was running late for Moses, and, it, and, he, and Moses probably cashes it in at that point. But God's still working. He's working, you know, 20 miles upstream. He's working where we can't see him working. He's at work. And we can be at peace knowing, even if I can't see it, even if it doesn't feel like it, God's at work. And he has a purpose in this. And God's purposes are are not easily frustrated. So, all right, guys, thanks for joining me today. I hope that you have a great weekend and I'll catch up with you next week. Don't forget to check out Todd's World on Spotify and Insurrection if you haven't, especially if you're on spring break. It is a great time to, you know, while the kids are in the pool or whatever, throw your earbuds in and just enjoy the story. It, it's It really is. It's a story. And... It's a lot of fun, like kind of like an audiobook kind of thing, except in the form of, of multiple podcasts, and it's going to go on for a long time. But I think you'll really enjoy it, so check that out. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week.